from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. There are two things required for pregnancy, a sperm and an egg. In this case, both the levonorgestrel and the eulopristal acetate prevent the egg from being released. And so in this instance, there is no post-fertilization potential mechanism. So it's incorrect to lump the two together. The strategy of defunding Planned Parenthood is old. Uh, we face this, this potential uh, possibility nearly every single year. I'm Sarah Fenske. Missouri lawmakers have so far failed to approve an extension of a tax that helps finance the state's Medicaid program. As we discussed earlier in the hour, this tax on hospitals and medical providers is normally a routine extension for lawmakers. Now, this year, it's being held up by legislators who want the state to block Medicaid funds from going to Planned Parenthood and also for being used for certain drugs. So what work does Planned Parenthood do for Medicaid patients in Missouri? And what do the drugs do that some lawmakers are seeking to block? Dr. Colleen McNicholas is here to explain. She's an obstetrician-gynecologist with Planned Parenthood of the St. Louis region and Southwest Missouri. Dr. McNicholas, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. So I want to start by talking just briefly about Planned Parenthood's work in Missouri. Does Medicaid funding in Missouri go for abortions? Well, thanks for the question and the opportunity to clear up what I think has been a long-standing misconception. So in the state of Missouri and in every state, uh, Medicaid, federal Medicaid dollars, and in our state specifically, state Medicaid dollars do not and have not been paying for abortion services. Period. Period. So what kind of work does Planned Parenthood bill the Medicaid program for providing? So Planned Parenthood provides services across the state that include a whole spectrum of sexual and reproductive health care needs. We provide cervical cancer screening, preventative exams. We assess folks for a variety of gynecologic cancers, STI or sexually transmitted infection screening and testing, as well as the full spectrum of birth control or pregnancy prevention care. So this is a lot of different things you do. Do a lot of patients who are on uh, Medicaid avail themselves of your services? You know, we have long been a trusted provider in the community for all of these services to a spectrum of folks, including folks who are um, currently insured with Medicaid services. You know, in the last calendar year, in the year of 2020, we saw almost 38,000 patients for those services. And so, you know, we are a trusted provider of those services, um, and we intend to continue to be able to provide those services to everybody who needs them. So if you couldn't serve these patients, let's say that this um, this amendment goes through, and let's say that it's held up by the courts. I realize that's a big if. This has been litigated in other states, and they have not been allowed to do what Missouri wants to do here. If that happened, where would these women go for these services? I think you raise an important point. Other states have tried this, and not only have they tried and failed, but we know that the Biden administration has said they will not allow a state to exclude Planned Parenthood from the Medicaid system. And so, Right out the bat, we know that this is not a winning strategy for for those who are looking to attack Planned Parenthood. More importantly, though, is the point that you raise about where do these patients then go for care. We know that 
Planned Parenthood across the state of Missouri is one of the very few places where you can get comprehensive sexual and reproductive health care. We exist in a safety net program with lots of excellent providers. Our colleagues at federally qualified health centers or health departments, they certainly are also doing great work in this space. But the reality is, is there are too many patients for these providers to be able to absorb. And we should never be taking away a trusted healthcare provider for folks who are comfortable with those people and the care that they provide. It seems like especially fraught that this is happening right now because the state is on the cusp of potentially expanding its Medicaid population. The voters voted for this. It's now in the process of being sorted out by the courts. I believe that court hearing is underway this very afternoon. But if that expansion goes forward, a lot more women of childbearing age um, would be eligible for Medicaid services. Is that on your mind at this point? Well, I sure hope that goes through and that many more people of reproductive age are eligible for birth control and for services more broadly that we provide at Planned Parenthood. We know that the services that we provide, including birth control and pregnancy prevention, are some of the most important ways to keep folks healthy um, and to help them be able to control the, the destiny and the success of their lives. And so, yes, we are excited to see Medicaid expansion move forward, um, and we are looking forward to an opportunity to be able to serve more people um, in the state of Missouri. So the issue of funding for Planned Parenthood, um, your organization, this is one of the big sticking points for some Republican lawmakers. The other sticking point does not have to do with who would be providing care. It has to do with what care the state would allow patients in this Medicaid program to access. There's certain drugs they want to ban for Medicaid reimbursement. What drugs are we talking about here um, under the language as, as is being discussed at this point? Yes, you're right. The strategy of defunding Planned Parenthood is old. Uh, we face this, this potential uh, possibility nearly every single year. Um, importantly, we already talked through the difference between funding for services that are non-abortion related, which is what we do now, um, and funding of abortion. But you are right. The unique and really troublesome, problem, problematic um, new piece to this is banning particular methods of contraception. So as I see, or as I have heard, um, the, the language proposed um, would eliminate access to or restrict access to some of our very basic methods of emergency contraception, using methods in the post-coital or immediately after sex period to prevent a pregnancy. In addition, they also look to ban some of our most reliable forms of reversible contraception, things like IUDs. It's important to remember that although these are medications that are typically thought of as birth control or pregnancy prevention, bans on these kinds of medications or devices would also have a traumatic impact and really dramatic impact on treatment for other gynecologic disorders that folks have, things like heavy menstrual bleeding, endometriosis, fibroid tumors. So although I'm not surprised that the attack has has evolved from just attacking abortion to now attacking birth control, it is a really dangerous step in the wrong direction for this state. So I want to talk a little bit about terminology here because there's a lot of confusion around this. Within this legislation, um, which is under discussion, the drugs that you've, you've talked about there are all classified as abortifacients. Um, is that an accurate um, descriptor for these drugs that we're talking about here in your opinion? 
I appreciate the, the opportunity to clarify. So an abortifacient is only a medication that can interrupt an established pregnancy. None of the medications that have been included here, the progestin levonorgestrel or the medication Ella, also called eulopristal acetate, or even our IUDs, none of these medications interrupt an already established pregnancy. So by definition, it is not true that these are abortifacients. And this is an intentional and dangerous conflation of abortion-inducing medications and medications we use for birth control or other gynecologic disorders. It seems like the big difference here, the reason that these drugs are being singled out, is that they act after the sperm and the egg have come together, and they basically stop it from implanting in the womb versus stop it from the fertilization from occurring. Is that a critical difference? Is it fair to think of that as a much different thing than, say, what the pill does? Well, the first thing I want to highlight is that, in fact, the levonorgestrel and the eulopristal acetate do not work in that manner. They work to prevent or delay ovulation. There are two things required for pregnancy, a sperm and an egg. In this case, both the levonorgestrel and the eulopristal acetate prevent the egg from being released. And so in this instance, there is no post-fertilization potential mechanism. So it's incorrect to lump the two together. The second piece is around what about IUDs and could that be a potential uh, mechanism? For some folks, in some instances, post-fertilization pregnancy prevention might be possible. And to that, what I respond is every individual certainly should be able to make the decision about what medications or devices or interventions they use in their healthcare based on their own values and morals. And that's completely fine. However, we should not be creating healthcare policy or trying to redefine what it means to be an abortifacient based on ideologic political talking points. It is only true that pregnancy is defined by the implantation of a fertilized egg into the uterus. Without that key piece, no medication or device, no intervention can be considered an abortifacient. It's interesting. These same um, medications that are under fire here in Missouri right now, these are the same ones that were under fire in the Hobby Lobby case. Uh, that company did not want to cover those for their employees. The court ruled for Hobby Lobby. Uh, they said they didn't have to cover these type of drugs. Have you seen more controversy around them since that ruling and since that became so front and center? You know, honestly, in the medical field, these are not controversial at all. You know, this particular attack on birth control would not just be an attack on Planned Parenthood or the patients who are served at Planned Parenthood. These are medications and interventions that are used by OBGYNs, family medicine physicians, and women's health nurse practitioners across the spectrum. This is, this is not actually controversial in the field of sexual and reproductive health. It only becomes controversial when there is this intentional conflation of what it means to induce an abortion and what it means to prevent pregnancy. We got an email from our listener, Russell. Uh, he writes, women of means will always have access to reproductive health care. Women who work part-time, full-time, and often more than one job, but still receive no employer health care benefits are being treated like second-class citizens. They should receive health care and have access to birth control. Plan B is a contraceptive medication, which acts primarily by stopping the release of an egg from the ovary. This demonstrates the complete ignorance of pharmacology 
pharmacology and anatomy and physiology of the female body by legislators determining laws directly affecting women. He finishes, it's utterly absurd. So that's the thoughts from one of our listeners here. Dr. Nicholas, as this all remains under debate and could hold up such a big percentage of the funding for the Medicaid program in general, what thought would you like to leave lawmakers with as they're grappling with these issues? Well, I think, you know, we all can have our own personal opinions about what we might use or might not use in our own personal health care. But public health and public health policy really needs to be grounded in scientific fact. And there is no question that the medical community believes that these methods are pregnancy prevention methods and they are not abortifacients. Eliminating access to these medications and devices under any context would have a really dramatic and negative effect on the reproductive and sexual health care of our, our constituents in Missouri. And are you working behind the scenes to make sure that, that people are thinking twice before they do this? You know, we are always working to help people feel educated and empowered. There's tons of information out there that clearly define what these medications are and how they work. And to the to the email that you received, right, the information is out there. They, they're, having the information shouldn't be a barrier to doing the right thing. So I, you know, I, again, implore folks to, to use the science, use the evidence, and put the political ideology aside because this will have real dramatic Im- uh, impact on the sexual and reproductive health care of our patients. Dr. Colleen P. McNicholas, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.